Hey, what's going on out there, everybody? Welcome to another Addicted Fishing Podcast. We are cranking these things out because it's always, it's like tradition to talk about exactly the frequency that we've been putting out these podcasts. So I just want to take note that I think this is like week five in a row. And uh, yeah, which is, if you guys listen to them, well, you're welcome, I guess. But bad news is we are heading to Astoria. We are sitting here on July 27th. A couple more days for opening day, and then we're going to be doing live fishing the whole month of August. So this is probably be the last podcast in a while, but it's one of my near and dear to my heart favorite subjects. And uh, we're talking toolies. And I brought two of the best Thule killing mofos <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest into podcast studio. That's Mr. Blair Johnson and Casey Kelly. Good yeah. buddies of mine. So, yeah. But guides down in the lower Columbia and have extensive knowledge of mass murdering of Thule's. And no, I'm totally kidding, guys. These guys want, you know, when it comes to the Thule talk, it's always fun to shame your buddies. But the reality is there's a lot of them. Anybody who's participated in the Columbia River has probably killed one or two, or millions, like these two. <laughs> and On a weekly. Th- but that's that's just the reality of the fishery. But with that said, there's some constraining stocks and some stuff in there that we need to talk about, and uh, I'm here to bring these two guys along. So, what's going on? Good to be here. Yeah. Oh, just getting ready, man. It's, uh, it's going to be a wild one, I think, this year. You got a ton of fish out in the ocean and i think there's going to be a ton of toolies to be caught yeah, especially the first early. 20 days right mm-hmm. that's the thing about the toolies they they definitely are in the system earlier uh than the upriver brights and so when we see august 1st openers and we're seeing ocean fishing in marine area one out there in you know july it tends to be very heavy heavily toolied but people don't really like associate a lot of these early quote unquote early fish as toolies. But the reality is that is what they are. And the percentage of fish that, you know, are going to be in the buoy 10 fishery for the first two weeks are going to be lower river stock fish. It's just the physiology of them. That's the timing of them. They show up early and they go up into these little lower end of tribs and they're closer to spawn. But these toolies actually do start as a very good, very high quality fish, high quality enough so that we actually stock them in the lower river, the hatchery toolies, um, for Canadian uh, mitigation off of our spring Chinook. So basically, we have an agreement with Canada and parts of Alaska that if we don't plant X amount of these early returning toolie stocks so the Canadian fishermen can get them, then they basically go out and catch and kill our spring Chinook. So We can't have that. Yeah, next time you want to cry about hatchery toolies, well, there's so many hatchery toolies. Well, guess what? If you want springers, it's probably a good way to be. Um, and that was actually settled in like federal court and like, it's like, it's a big mitigation thing. In fact, so there's hatcheries dedicated on the Columbia river to, um, uh, putting those, putting those fish out. I was never, I wasn't aware of that. I've I'd never heard that before. Yep. That's spring Creek hatchery, federal yeah. hatchery up there by, uh, uh, straight across from hood river yeah. is literally a Thule farm. Yeah. But with that said, you know, they still forecast. So that that's a BPH Thule. So Bonneville pool hatchery. And, uh, with that, said that return is forecasted to be really strong this year, like 90,000 fish, which some years it's like 40, 50,000. So we're going to see a lot of those fish, and those fish do show up early in the fishery. They also show up a lot at uh, Drano, Wind, Eagle Creek, and some of those other uh, cold water fisheries too. It's just above Bonneville, but they're very present um, in our in our lower Columbia fisheries, as is the Klamath fish. 
Big Creek. There's a few other places that have them too. But mixed in with all cowlets. those hatchery fish, the cowlets, that's right. Mixed in with all those hatchery fish, though, there are wild stocks of tulis. And the problem is, you know, we are not allowed to kill the true wild tule stocks that go into like Cedar Creek in the North Fork Lewis. There are some unclipped, I'll call them unclipped, but there are some actual wild tulies that go into Kalama, which is why they have that rack and weird assortum in the lower end. Um, Gray's River, I believe, has some. Washugal. I believe they're mostly unclipped. Yeah, no, the, the wild tulies are unclipped. Wild Big Creek, I think, is a is a natural one too. Is it? I know they do some. I know they do some mitigation stuff there too. Not mitigation, but they do some hatchery stuff there too. But the idea is that there are these other strains, or excuse me, these other um, stocks of fish in the lower Columbia that we can't handle. They're ESA protected. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because we, we just absolutely go ham and blast all these hatchery fish into the system, all these hatchery early returning fish into the system. But then there's wilds too that we have to protect. So it's kind of a kind of a weird thing because, you know, down at Bowie 10, you know, when it's hatchery only season until the 24th this year, like – we're going to run into a pretty good percentage of clipped fish, but unfortunately a lot of those things are probably going to be toolies in the first couple of weeks. So so what do you what do you say about that? What's well, going to happen in your boat? I'm bonking every hatchery fish I can get. No, I'm kidding. Well, I might be. You might be. I don't know. Why not? not, not if, I mean, you know, there's kind of ways to tell between a, a good one and a bad one. <clears throat> I'm not going to get into that, but, you know, it, it is what it is. got to deal with what we got to deal with. And uh, it's gonna it's gonna create constant action throughout the whole period, I believe. Um, I think just I think there is a ton of fish. Every run is up. I think there's it's teeming with fish out in the ocean right now. It's gonna give us great action, and we'll we'll make do. Right. Problem is though, is if we get too much action on those two leads, they're gonna close us down. Well, I just mean I just mean like. You know, we're looking for hatchery fish. We're lot. We're going to be letting go um, a bunch of nice wild fish that we would obviously like to put in the box. But th- at the end of the day, our clients do want to take fish home. If it's a good looking chrome bright fish, mm-hmm. um, and it's a hatchery, you know, I'm guessing like, oh, big spots looks tulish, but man, it's laser bright. You know, that one's probably going in the box with me. Not a stink pot. You know, brown, ugly one that's hatchery, that one probably go back. But I'm just saying, yeah, we kind of know this one's probably a Thule, but it looks really good. And this guy's already let two upriver brights go today. Right. There seems to be a difference between junker Thule's and, and quality ones, too. But know? they still all go against us from what Cameron's told me. Right. So because it's hatchery only, we're not killing wild Thule's, which is a good thing. But those hatchery toolies with the full with the forecasted amount that they have with that number and the forecasted amount of the wild number, basically those hatchery toolies are representing a certain percentage of the wilds. And so for every hatchery toolie we still do kill, actually does go against our wild toolie quota, but it is a fraction of what it would be because of killing killing the wilds. It's not the act of killing the hatchery toolie that counts is just that, that that's the, that represents the wild. So like I'm, I'm going to try to do some fuzzy math here just to give you guys like the kind of the concept of this. And, and then where we're going to go with this is like what I think us as sportsmen should be trying to do in this fishery. And it's, you know, it's really hard to tell people what they should do with a legally allowable fish, Mm -hmm. but put this, put this in perspective. Let's say there was 10,000 
wild tulies predicted for the Columbia River, and there was 100,000 hatchery fish predicted for the Columbia River. Hatchery tule. So let's say we catch 10 hatchery tulies. What does that probably mean that we did catch one? You know, it's a 10 to 1 ratio, right? So we caught one wild tule. Well, we couldn't kill that wild tule. But then that's so that wild tule got released. But in the act of releasing them, there's mortality. still a mortality rate. It's yeah. 19% is what they say. You know, there's studies that go against Ugh. that, but it's 19%. That's what's applied. So those little singular, you know, those those tens of hatchery fish that are rep, rep, representing those single wild fish, well, for every five of those single wild fish we catch, they assume one dies. And so you can see why that starts to really chip away, not really chip away, but oh, slowly absolutely. chip away. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the, um, I act, I feel bad because I tried to get a hold of one of the managers today and to see exactly what we used in the first 10 days of the, um, uh, 10 days of the buoy 10 fishery, but it was pretty minuscule. What shut us down last year in the buoy 10 fishery is when we went wide open on the 11th, there was still a whole lot of wild tulies in the fishery. It wasn't the first 10 days we used, we used a very, very, very small portion of the wild impacts because it gets kind of broken down. Now when it's wild only season, every wild one you bring in, well, it's dead. And out of the total catch, like when they only check 20 anglers and they check five wild tulies with those 20 anglers, well then that represents that the whole fleet killed that many. 20 or 25% of them all killed a wild tule. I and now you went from this you went from this really tiny like cut down number from the hatchery tulies representing the wilds and then one out of five of the wilds dying to okay now 25 percent of the boats out there in the fleet all killed a wild tule today which didn't happen uh, yeah. i don't know those exact numbers but you can understand how that number can they balloon quickly. they have to go by that there's no other way yeah, yeah. I mean, here's no my way. here's my thing here's my question to you because I'm just learning as much as I can about this, like, right now, because it's such a big deal in the Northwest, seems like, in the last few years. But, so, say four years ago at Buoy 10 or whatever, just any other year that before we went to this hatchery-only thing, um, you and I went out, and we were dumping, we're dumping those toolies back because we're, we're trying to catch up river bites for our clients or whatever case, mm -hmm. so... But then last year, I probably killed more hatchery toolies than I did the year before because I'm letting so many wilds go. I'm trying to send my folks home with my, my clients home with fish that I'm going to bonk the marginal hatchery fish, right? But that's counting against us, and it's counting against us on a year that they are making it hatchery only. So it's almost like a double-edged sword, right? Because... That wouldn't be happening. I wouldn't be doing that if they didn't make it hatchery only. But I'm bringing in hatchery toolies because they're making me kill hatchery fish. Right. But the problem is you are not the whole sport fleet. And the sport fleet can't help themselves when it comes to wild toolies. So, like, let's say the fishery is open for wild fish. And, you know, it's not generally you or the guides that are very... Now, I'm not going to say all guides because... Right. <laughs> We know that's we, not we've true. We've all seen it. But when it comes to the wild part of it, keep in mind that bang for the buck, right? You 
start bonking wild toolies, it hurts you five times more than that little representative sample, right? And so it's been known that, like, if we, you know, go to this hatchery only, it slows down that wild tule kill. Now, keep in mind, too, a few years ago, everything's really different because depending on where those forecast numbers come in, like, there, I can't remember the exact numbers, but there might be a year... We're not worried. We're, about we're not worried about it. Exactly. No, I understand. And to put it, then to put things into perspective, and how fast we shut down last year, this year our wild tule taste is less. Is like half of what we got last year, which is crazy. That's bad. Which is crazy. So it's dangerous. Where? How do they even get that? That's it's all from forecasting, spawning, spawning ground surveys, ocean. Now, obviously, their forecasting has been tough, and I wish they could take some of this stuff into consideration. But the problem with lower river tules, too, these wilds is there's no, like, there's very little in-season management because they're all just paper fish until they're on the spawning grounds. They're going to a little river with no dam. Right. They can't can't get counted correctly and all that. Right. There was years, which then by the time they're spawning, obviously they're gone past us, which is good or bad or whatever. But there's been other years where the constraining stocks of the fishery were like upriver brights. Upriver brights numbers weren't that strong. Well, once they started pouring over the dam, well, guess what? Game on. They were sh- they were shown, and they were physical fish, counted fish. They got pit tags. Uh, excuse me, they had pit tag receivers in the Bonneville Dam. They're counting them. They have a hard number. They're not paper fish anymore. They're real fish. So it's kind of a challenge within the fishery. Now, how is this all, like, pertaining to us this year is, you know, you talked on an earlier case. It was, like, the early, you know, like, stink pot toolies and laser bright toolies, right? The reality is, is... You know, us as anglers, it any hatchery fish is legal, mm-hmm. right? Any hatchery fish is legal. It's really hard to tell people that, you know, have tough days of fishing or whatever. Or they, they traveled from a long way. Or, and you got to realize, like, I'm just going to say it, like, we're not, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are really good down there, but there's a lot of people that really aren't. And there's a lot of them. And yeah. they catch a few fish, yeah. right? Which is great. That's the thing about Bowie Ten, man. It's it's there's a lot of fish. It's target rich environment. It's a great opportunity for everyone to get it. But you're trying to tell people that you know, set a vacation, hauled their boat from somewhere far away, and they caught two fish all weekend, and now you're telling them to throw legal fish back. It's tough. Yeah, I've had a I've had some sort of bad experiences telling telling the guy from Wyoming like, hey, this is a tule. You don't want this fish. We'll get another one. And he looked at me cross-eyed like no one's ever looked at me cross-eyed before. And I, I told him, I just insured him, like, we'll get another one. Trust me, this is not a quality fish. Your dog is going to put its nose up to this. And it worked out, but that's what I—that's what we all deal with. Right. Yeah. And it's really hard, yeah. Or, you know, an eight-year-old catches their first salmon on a tough day. You know, we all have tough days down there. It is buoy 10. It's not just a fish factory all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you try to... You know, tell someone on a tough day, your little kid's first sound. I mean, there's a, all these things that go into it. But the reality is, is like we should try to kill like everybody all in guides, anglers, just everybody in the fishery. I think if we avoid, you know, killing a bunch of, you know, 25 inch little tiny dark toolies yeah. that are really prevalent, like. Let's use those impacts, but let's use them like on quality fish. And I think there needs to be that discussion within the sport fleet because I will be the first to say it. There's a ton of guides out there that will go out and catch six fish before, you know, 8 a.m. And three of them are 24 and a half, which the legal fish down there is 24 inches Yep, or 22. I always forget 24, 24. 
I always mix it up with ocean and ling and whatever. Anyway, it's 24 inches, and they catch a barely legal fish that's like already turning dark. Like, and we all know this. And, and those, those are the worst potatoes. ones. Those right. are the worst. So why, as anglers, like, I mean, should I mean, there's got to be a line, and I think everybody's boat is going to be different. You know, some boats it's just going to be any legal fish, bonk. Yeah. And some boats it's going to be no toolies. We don't care if we go in with nothing. Yeah. You know. And then there's going to be kind of the guys in the middle. And I just feel like if we're going to burn impacts and we're going to burn, you know, burn our time, knowing that we've got great upriver bright fisheries ahead. Yeah. It's just like, man, we don't want to shoot our self in the face to start this fishery off because that's what ends up happening is we close down one section and then everyone piles into the other section and everyone piles in. And that's exactly what happened last year Mm -hmm. uh, when buoy 10 shut down. You know, it was supposed to go to Labor Day. It only mm-hmm. went eight days during the wild fishery. Everybody piled up to the mouth of the Calots, and that had more wild tule recoveries and way more impact. Way more impact than Buoy Ten did at the end of it when it mm-hmm. rolled up, and then it shut down even above Bonneville, or shut down not above Bonneville, excuse me, to Bonneville. Shut the whole damn thing down because of it. Mm-hmm. And then when things cleaned up and some of the fish got into the tributaries, you know, they rolled the numbers and pulled the tags and kind of looked at it and realized they probably had a little better run, which actually was funny. Truth be a told. A lot more room. What was it? Two days it was closed? Two, three days is all? Only two days or something. Yeah. No. We were only closed. Yeah. We I were. think it was like a week. No, it was a week. No. Mm-hmm. The year before, I think no. it was a week. The year before was a week. Last year, I went and bought, spent 1600 on hover rods. Went up there one day, and they reopened it the next day, and it was wide open the rest of the year. That was last year. It was closed for two. I'm, like, going to go, like, right back through my phone. Look and at your you. pictures. I'm going to call you on this, brah. Three days. <laughs> three days, brah. I'm going to call. Okay, th- I went from two to three. No, right? I said two or three. Well, two or three days. Hey. It wasn't long. It was less than a week. They had their meeting right uh, away. I do believe it was less than a week. And boom. It was pretty quick. Because they realized, okay, I think we're going to be good. But then they didn't open it below Warrior Rock. They only kept it above Warrior. And the guy, yeah. the one of the fish managers, kind of told me, he's like, look, man, we can only afford, like, another handful. Like, we're talking, like, on a single hand, a tag recovery. Yeah, if there, we what get they, one yeah. more tag recovery, it's it big trouble. So then we kind of got on the horn and said, do not kill dark fish above Warrior Rock. Because the reality is, is if, Five or ten of those things would have died and came in. Shut us all. They would have had if to. They shut would have got one pit. Re- People don't recovery. realize that the state has to manage these fisheries within certain guidelines, or else NOAA shuts them down or restricts the numbers of fish. Like you lose these other, like you lose these exploitation rates, and they get way more restrictive than they are now. Like, could yeah. you imagine, like going into a fall season and only now we're only allowed to catch half of what we were able to catch the year before? The state has to prove its management. Does it. so hard, man. No, it gets control of it and really reaps it. It's so it's so flawed. I mean, we were, we were. It's so hard. I don't know that it's flawed. It's just like <laughs> almost an impossible task. But it seems that way right now. But to me, anyway. But um, we're gonna let these boys go smash on these one, fish. Two, three. I at least have four days where I was up in upriver. Okay, maybe four. We'll days. split the difference. I mean, I don't know. You tell me where that picture is at. <laughs> maybe four. Maybe four. It was days. a short time, but that's the that's the challenge of the man. Oh, that's the challenge of the management, though. But, but the uh, the the flip side is like, okay, we're coming down on us so hard in the Columbia, yet we're gonna beg people to go fish our local rivers, and give them a a three fish limit when there isn't even ten hatchery fish in there. 
and they're going to egg-gag all these wild tulies that we're trying to protect in the Columbia, and they're going to catch 30 of them, and one of them might be a hatchery. Yep. <laughs> that's but not they, a problem. That's to clean up a whole nother mess, though. Yeah. Yeah, they could say that, but no, I that's mean. That's what they say. It's that's the, what they the say. lower tribs with some of these, with like, well, I'll just say it, with the Kalamawir, bumps hatchery fish back out into the system, and then those fish stray into wild areas that they do not want the hatchery fish to be. All they have to do is put that trap up in the top end of their system. Well, they're lower river spawners. They spawn below the trap, too. No, they they would all they all fly up that river, dude. When that trap broke five years ago, yeah. the canyon was plugged. Well, full. of course, because you had eighteen thousand. When you think one year there was like eighteen thousand pulled out of that weir in that little tiny river. So of course, like yeah, you remove that weir, here they come. Yeah, but yeah. they'll spread throughout they the whole system. They'll, spawn, they'll still spawn below it too. They can move it to the. Just because they're a lower river spawner doesn't mean they spawn low in their river. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. It means that they're they're going into a river in the lower Columbia. It doesn't mean they spawn low in their river. They're a lower river spawner, like low in the Columbia. Right. Doesn't mean they hit the gravel right when they get in that river and they spawn. They do and can and will. Well, just like a just like a hatchery uh, winter steelhead could end up, I guess, spawning. But I would say for the most part, lower river. Um, Tule means lower Columbia River. Right, except for the ones that we put in above Bonneville. Right. That's more representative of the area of the river they're going to, not where in the river, the tributary that are spawning, though. spawning, yeah. Now, we've noticed in, on the river camera I fished a lot in the last few years, they're getting lower and lower and lower. We're seeing reds from, from uh, sections of the river down that I don't recall ever seeing as many reds as, uh, as I have in the past three, four years. Which is crazy to me because I believe that, I truly believe that with that rack system, they bump out, those fish then just find the nearest gravel yeah, that they, they can because yeah. they've already, they, 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 they stuck their nose in there. Yep. And I think that they spawn die, and I know they show up in carcass surveys, but some on that river, they don't carcass survey usually down that low. No, they don't. But I've seen them, and they do spawn, but guess what? Those fish all then come back as Wild, untamed, tuna so, chinook. So the, <laughs> the oldest, so it's pretty, it's oldest in the northwest. Basically, the biggest, the, the bitch is that, like I said, we are, we do have wild tulies that we try to protect in some of these lower trips to the point that we shut down the buoy ten fishery, we shut down the mid river Columbia fishery, and then yet they are allowed to then be caught and released over and over and over again in very intensive bait fisheries. In those lower trips to clean up extra excess hatchery fish that have strayed from other projects. And it's kind of lame. It's a mess. Because, I mean, yeah. The people in the know know that there is crap. A hun- there's 20 fish getting gagged. But what else do you do? Do you keep it closed and let the hatchery fish just mingle with them? Like, you don't, they don't want that because there has, there, there's PHOS rates that they have to stay in They're line. not even catching any hatchery fish. Dude, I remember like there are there there are not, but it's but it's like two out of twenty. They're not. It's two out of twenty. If yeah, oh no, and days that you don't get one. Oh, plenty of days you don't get one. You don't get you don't kill one. Casey and I have had to fish that fishery a couple times when they closed the Columbia early for whatever reason, bright bright constraints or any that, and literally we did like spent (laughs) a lot of days catching a lot of fish and like releasing maybe one. Yeah, yeah. Last year I remember a day. 
we landed 28 Chinook and we kept three. The day after we landed 24 or 25 and we land, we killed one. Yeah. So it just depends on the day, but. <laughs> but they are there. Yeah, they're there. There's a percentage of happy yeah. fish there. So. But, but to move it to three, it's like, okay, like when is anybody limiting out on two to begin with? Well, let alone three. Yeah, but I guess you never know what could happen. I mean, then again, we do have big returns coming for the hatchery fish at Bonneville Pool, like bigger than I think normal. And so I think there could be a lot of hatchery fish, but we've kind of got off tangent. It's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough game. And it's what the managers have to deal with. We want those hatchery Springer toolies. We absolutely want them in the system because we want to get our, I said Springer toolies, mm-hmm. back that up. We want those <laughs> fall toolies. We want those fish, you know, for the mitigations that we have to basically do or required to do as a, right as the state agency. So they don't touch our Springers. Like at the end of the day, we want those needs to happen. But I think as anglers, when it comes down to bonking fish, I think hatchery toolies are good to go. Bonk them. But Kill the good ones. Be, re- be yeah, reasonable. Be, yeah. be reasonable. Twenty-four and a half inch green hatchery tule. Go Stink ahead and pots. Let him live. He's yep. gonna cut white. Right. Let him live. Right, and that's the point of it, guys. So, anyways, we gotta run. We've got a live feed. We're gonna be bringing up a bunch of live like pictures and whatnot to discuss tonight. It's always a good discussion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For those of you guys that uh, we'll see you guys out at Buoy Ten waving and saying hi, we'll be doing some live fishing. And uh, shoot, thank you, Casey and Blair, for coming in. I think everyone's kind of got the betcha. same consensus. And Absolutely. Yeah. You guys have a really good season. We'll be back at you here in a little while. I just don't know when that is. No promises. Catch you guys later. Later.